Today on Stick to Football, coming to you live from Chicago, Illinois, Matt and Mello, wishing you guys a Merry Christmas week. Happy Monday, Mellow. Today, we're going to give the folks a mock draft Mellow. You and I don't get to do many mock draft Mondays together. It's been a minute since I've done a mock draft, so I'm eager to jump into this thing and piss some fan bases off. We're definitely going to do that, going to assign some quarterbacks, um, and I, I will let people peek behind the curtain a little bit. The show's going to sound different because right now we're recording Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to record the intro and some draft on draft. And then Monday morning after the games, we're going to record the mock draft so that you guys get the updated draft order. Because as we were going through this thing, it's like the Giants and Redskins play Sunday. And the loser of that game will have the number two pick in the draft, which has a very big impact on what we're doing. But then also not just that, but some of the stacking you know, picks 20 to 32 is playoffs. It's starting to come into focus, but really picks two to 19 right now. are very much up in the air. It's a, it's a good weekend to pay attention to what's going on with all 32 teams. So a lot happened Sunday. We'll get the order figured out when we record this later. And like I said, I'm sure that every fan base will be completely happy with what we give them. Well, the Bears don't have a pick, so they'll be happy. The Rams don't have a pick. They'll probably be very happy. They'll well. actually probably just be mad that they don't have a pick and that we didn't talk about them enough. It, I, this wasn't on the rundown, but I'm going to bring this up. The Rams lose to my 49ers on Saturday night. The Rams don't have a first-round pick. They are out of the playoffs. Their running back has an arthritic knee. Their quarterback regressed. They're about to fire their defensive coordinator. I don't feel great right now if I'm the Rams. Yeah, I don't either, actually. Oh, and I, your stadium's $4 billion over budget. I, I think that. they have a lot of holes on this team and not a lot of ways to fill it. I mean, you just can't keep going out and signing free agents or trading for them. I mean, even Jalen Ramsey, like, congratulations. But now you don't have a way to replace some of these contracts that are expiring you really need some offensive line help uh, to get this offense going because the offense has not looked good this year at all it has not another team that has sometimes they look good most of the time they don't Ian Rappaport reported on Saturday morning mellow that Jameis Winston will be brought back by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers (laughs) so this news comes out and Jameis promptly throws four interceptions in a game right after it yeah, I, I think he was like started the game 0 for 2 with two interceptions. It, it was not a great Saturday for Jameis Winston. And I understood the report when it was released that, okay, they're looking at bringing him back. I don't know how you can watch that game, though, Saturday and say, yeah, this guy has a future with our team. He's the We're going to iron out these kinks, and, and we're going to get him going. We're going to fix him. It's those girlfriend eyes again. I just don't see it happening with Jameis. I, I think he is who he is. He's going to so he wow you. College. Exactly. He's going to wow you with some good throws. He's going to throw for a lot of yards. But guess what? That happens when your team is losing and you throw the ball 50 times. I want to see what he can do in the first quarter, you know, on the opening drive. Can you not throw an interception? Can you lead this team? So if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm probably looking at other quarterback options out there. I'm not just going to come out in week 16 and say, yeah, we plan on bringing him back. I would probably explore a little bit. I'm, I'm probably not going to give him a three-year deal. I just I don't know if it's worth it. I think if I'm the Bucks, I'm going to franchise him. We'll see what happens next year. If we end up having to pay him a lot of money, then you know what? Who cares? We got our quarterback. Yeah. Uh, or the wheels fall off. He keeps throwing these interceptions. He's going to be the 30-30 club. 30 touchdowns, probably 30 interceptions. He's two away. I, I just I can't give that guy a long-term deal with a lot of money. I do want to see what year two looks like in this offense. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Melo, a lot of these issues are things we saw back at Florida State, that this is who he is. So 
I don't know that year two in Bruce Arians offense is going to make a big difference. The interesting point of this right now, they would have the 16th pick in the draft. So, I mean, you're going to draft Jordan Love, who's also throwing a lot of interceptions. You're going to draft Jacob Eason, who maybe doesn't enter this draft, but also is kind of turnover prone. I think if you're a Buccaneers fan, you have to look at this and say, okay, we we probably don't want to spend pick 16 on a quarterback. But later in the draft, you should be taking a chance on, and this might not be the year for it, but you should be taking a chance on a an Anthony Gordon or a Shea Patterson or a Nate Stanley. I think you have to turn over a, a lot of different rocks trying to find your quarterback because you know what? Six months ago, no one thought Ryan Tannehill was going to be the, the future in Tennessee. No one thought Gardner Minshew was going to be the future in Jacksonville. You have to explore options outside of the first round. Yeah, I mean, maybe they could even keep it in Florida and say, what do you guys want for Nick Foles? Because you have Gardner Minshew, you have that huge contract tied up with him. Maybe other teams will give that a look and and explore that option. But there are a lot of other teams out there who are also exploring the quarterback market. Another team that will be exploring, like you said, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, A report came out Sunday morning that they, I mean, obviously have Jacoby Brissett under contract, but it's been clear that he can't get the job done on his own. Now, I will be the first to say that receiving core has been banged up and then other guys not living up to expectations. The offensive line has been okay, but I think they've regressed over the second half of the season. But the Colts, another team that will be exploring the quarterback market and another team is going to be drafting in the middle of the round, which makes this difficult. I know a lot of our Colts fan listeners want to talk about Jordan love and they think that he can be the guy because of the traits. And I will say this. I, I know a little bit about Chris Ballard. I cannot see Chris Ballard attaching his general manager job to Jordan love. I just can't do it. Yeah, I think a lot of our listeners are probably going to come at you about Pat Mahomes too, and say I didn't throw picks in college though. and say that he was a big traits guy. But what we saw from Jordan Love this season, and maybe he'll change our minds at the Senior Bowl. It, it was not good. It was a lot of interceptions against subpar teams. Uh, he's playing in the Mountain West Conference. It's not like he's throwing sixteen interceptions uh, to a very talented SEC opponent. He's doing it against lesser opponents where you're. You should be able to scheme and get some guys open. They've had some talent there at Utah State. His sophomore season, he looked really good uh, with their coach there. With Matt Wells. Uh, And then Matt Wells leaves, takes the Texas Tech job. And that's one thing that I said about Jordan Love last year, is that let's see what he can do without this coach around within this new offense. And it didn't look good at all. So I do think that some team will probably take a chance on him in the first round. If it's my team, No thanks. Uh, If I'm a Colts fan, I don't want that. I would rather roll another year with Jacoby Brissett, see what happens next year in the draft, see if you know a guy like Jake Fromm comes back to Georgia. You'll have Justin Fields, you have Trevor Lawrence. You're probably not going to be in position for those guys, but that's kind of what you thought when you had Peyton Manning too, and then Andrew Luck falls into your lap. Right? Yeah, you never know. I I, to your point that people are going to say, oh well, when you look at Jordan Love, you can look at Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Worst touchdown to interception ratio in college was 36 and 15. Jordan Love this year was 17 to 16. And you can say, well, what about Josh Allen? Because I was a Josh Allen guy, a big one. With me watching Josh play, it was always about mechanics, not decision making. With Jordan Love, is decision making. To me, Jordan Love is more of like a Drew Locke in yep, terms of I would agree. really good traits, but the decisions are just bad. With Josh Allen, it was like he was making the right decision. He was just missing guys. 
and a lot of that to me was mechanical with the footwork and it was a, a bit of the talent around him which I think you can make that argument for Jordan Love but that is a huge risk and for Chris Ballard a guy who was very measured in what job he was going to take we're sitting in Chicago he didn't get the GM job here Ryan Pace gets it after that it was like you know what I'm going to be selective about where I go I'm going to pick my spot wisely now that fell apart with Andrew Luck's sudden retirement but I don't see Chris Ballard as the risk taker that's going to go after a Jordan Love. I think if they, you know, if they go with a quarterback in the draft this year, it might be a mid round guy who's, and I'm going to look at the college guys who don't turn the ball over, maybe don't have the biggest arm, the best traits. But Austin, man, Ballard wasn't even that. Mahomes wasn't Ballard's guy. Mahomes was Veach's guy. Right. Who's kind of more of a risk taker Much than, more of a risk taker <laughs> than Much what he more. is. And when you look at the quarterbacks, if if your team's going after a quarterback in this draft, it better be the Cincinnati Bengals. Like other than that, I don't feel great about any of these quarterbacks. Even looking at Tua, like if Tua falls to the Colts, I could see them. I taking could see him. that. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I don't. I still don't think that he will. I mean, he hasn't even declared yet. Uh, but I do think he will. But if it's not Joe Burrow, if it's not Tua. I'm not taking a quarterback in the if first If Justin round. Herbert fell to pick, what, are they 14 right now? Mm-hmm. Would you do it? No, I wouldn't. I, I do not like Herbert at all. And I think a lot of teams try to make a quarterback happen in the first round, and it just doesn't work. Justin Herbert is fetch. Right. It's just Stop it, trying to make it happen. I know. He's 6'5", 240 or whatever right. with a kind of strong arm. But I just don't see the traits there that's going to make me want to draft him. In the first round, I, I really, you look at Herbert, you look at Eason, you look at Love. I don't know that any of them are that much better than a guy like Jalen Hurt. And honestly, I would probably take him in the second or third round over some of these other guys. Oh, maybe that's at least option. he can run the ball. Yeah, that, that is a good point. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, mock draft Monday, the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Miller, the Cincinnati Bengals are officially on the clock. We waited until Monday morning to record this because we wanted the draft order to be finalized. And there were actually some big changes thanks to the Sunday game. So the Bengals come on the clock. I'm picking for the evens, the odds, excuse me. You have the evens. So I'm going to go with the obvious pick here. One that I do believe now is cemented in stone. The Joe Burrow, a kid from Southeast Ohio, is going to return to Southern Ohio and be the franchise quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm taking Joe Burrow first pick overall. Yeah, I do think that's a no-brainer. And if something changes, I will be shocked. But I think that we can go ahead and probably write that one in ink. Pick number two, I don't care who has it, but for today, it is the Washington Redskins. The pick's going to be... Chase Young. Uh, I don't care if the Dolphins or Giants or Lions somehow get into this spot. It's going to be Chase Young, number two overall, regardless of team, regardless of need. He is just too special, and he fits every scheme. I, I did have some uh, Bengals fans asking me, like, why would you not have Chase Young going first overall? Chase Young, to me, is the best player in this draft, but because of the quarterback need, the Bengals take him. What's interesting is Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley tore apart the Washington Redskins, basically ensuring that Chase Young would be tackling them for the next decade. Yeah, good job, guys. Yeah, way to think that one through. Number three right now, this is really where the draft starts. We know who the first two picks will be, barring any kind of unforeseen changes. Pick number three right now is the Detroit Lions, Mello, And this is a team that 
you know, they're not most likely you would not think they would draft a left tackle here because they have Taylor Decker. They don't need a quarterback. They have Matthew Stafford. So where does this team go in a draft that, as we've talked about, has an elite pass rusher, a very good quarterback? And then I feel like there is a little bit of a drop off. But this is where I would slot in on value and need a corner in Jeff Okuda. Darius Slay's contract situation is is coming up there. They need to get younger at the position. It sounds like Matt Patricia and, and Bob Quinn will be back next year. They can look at New England with Stephon Gilmore. They can look at anywhere in the NFL right now. The importance of a number one corner is enormous. Jeff Okuda is the best corner in this class. And in my opinion, he would have been the best corner in many drafts. He would have been the best corner last year. He would have been the best corner the year before that. So a corner for the Lions, you might be thinking, God, like that's what we're doing? We're taking a corner? You are, because it is a need and it's great value. Yeah, I mean, much like that Chase Young pick that I just gave, I think there are a lot of teams sitting at three that are probably going to be looking at Jeff Okuda uh, as well. I'm up at number four with the New York Giants. Uh, They have their quarterback of the future. They have their running back for forever. I'm going to give them a receiver. I think once you have a young, talented quarterback, you start surrounding him with pieces. And they let Odell Beckham go. They need to replace him. They need to get some good young targets in there. I'm going Jerry Judy. I know that his name has kind of taken a hit. He's fallen down boards. But I still think this is an exceptional receiver. Great route runner, which means he can come in as a rookie and really excel early, uh, even if it's Daniel Jones throwing him the ball. I, I think with a lot of receivers, we say, oh, they're physically very impressive. You know, and if they don't come in and go to the right scheme, let's say, oh, that guy, he can't get open. Mm-hmm. With Jerry Judy, you're never going to have to worry about that, which I think does shorten his acclimation period. Number five, the Miami Dolphins, a team that. All year we talked about the Dolphins are tanking. The Dolphins are tanking. Well, they end up at five overall, so they didn't do a very good job of tanking. They still get their quarterback here. I'm going to give them to a tongue of Iloa from Alabama. I know the hip is a huge mystery, and none of us has an answer as to what that's going to look like long term. But for now, I still project that he's good enough that a team will take him in the top ten with all the needs we have at quarterback. And there's a lot of teams about to come on the board that have a need at quarterback. Tua is still, like I've said before, if he were healthy, he would be quarterback two for me because we would have the, the previous injury concerns. But as just a natural passer, Tua is very, very special. The Dolphins, they they know that Josh Rosen's not the answer. Ryan Fitzpatrick has won a couple ball games for them, but they have to find their quarterback of the future. And I think it'll be Tua. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think without this injury, we're probably looking at two guys that are going to go uh, one and two, if not one and three overall at quarterback. But the injury is just too much. Number six, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we got called out on Twitter for not making this pick, and I don't know if we've come off of it since then. I was making this pick when the person called us out for it. Uh, yes, I you just were. want to say. Uh, but Isaiah Simmons does make too much sense here. They need to help that defense out. Why not go get the most complete defensive player uh, that I've seen in probably this decade? I love Isaiah Simmons. Um, I, endless possibilities on ways to play him and where to play him. Uh, number six overall for him, if he can get past the New York Giants. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Does he get past Dave Gettleman if he's still the general manager there? I'm a little surprised you didn't go offensive tackle for Jacksonville. Um, And I think sometimes with Mock Draft Monday, we get so locked into giving, like you said, a player to the team. But with the way the board fell, I would think about offensive tackle there. Uh, Just Yeah, but 
they also tried to address offensive tackle last year. So I think that's a position yep. where they're going to try to let these guys have some time to grow and build. All right, number seven, the Los Angeles Chargers. The end is in sight for Phillip Rivers. I'm going to give them Justin Herbert. Uh, we've talked about this uh, until we're blue in the face. None of us loves the value here, but you have to understand he's probably going to be drafted in the top ten. And the the Chargers make a lot of sense. They need an exciting young quarterback to come in and maybe sell some tickets. They also need a future for life after Phillip Rivers. I think should the board fall this way, I think we would probably see some trades up to make, you know, buy teams like Miami or the Chargers to make sure they get their quarterback. But with no trades on Mike Draft Monday, the Chargers get their quarterback of the future here. Yeah, I agree with you. Don't love the pick, but I think it makes a lot of sense for that fan base, for that organization. They're going to need a quarterback. Uh, you're going to have to find it in the draft. Number eight overall, the Carolina Panthers. This is where I'm going to have offensive tackle go off the board. Uh, I don't love a lot of these offensive tackles, but man, the Panthers have to do something to protect their quarterback. I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe they just say, you know what, Cam? We're sorry. You can go ahead and come on back next year because the other two really actually suck. But you have to protect Christian McCaffrey, who looks like the best running back in football right now. You have to protect whoever that quarterback is. Give them some time. So the picks, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. I like Andrew Thomas. I don't know if he's this marquee left tackle that we all want him to be, but he's an ass kicker. I can tell you that. And even if he ends up playing uh, some guard, you're going to get a very good guard here or right tackle. And maybe he develops into the left tackle that you want. But a, a great offensive line pick here, and that's what the Panthers need. Number nine, the Arizona Cardinals. Melo, they're in much the same spot. They have their quarterback of the future in Kyler Murray. And a lot of times in a mock draft, we see them go wide receiver here. Watching this team play, they have to protect Kyler Murray as much as they can. And I know he's going to take hits because of his running style, his play style. But you got to protect this guy in the pocket for this offense to open up. They do need a receiver. This is a historically deep receiver draft. Wait until round two, round three. Here, I'm giving them Jedrick Wills, who I think I've been tiptoeing around it. He might be the best tackle in this draft. I know he plays right tackle for Alabama. I've seen the movement skills, the athleticism for him to kick over and play on the left side in the NFL. So Jedrick Wills here at nine to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I I like Wills too. I haven't watched a lot of his film yet, um, but I, I do think that he's trending in that direction. Next up, the New York Jets. They have a lot of holes to fill. I think one of them is receiver. You need to go get Sam Darnold. Uh, target uh, young quarterback like I talked about earlier with the Giants you have a good young quarterback start surrounding him with pieces you gave him Le'Veon Bell Robbie Anderson good wide receiver not great he's never going to be your number one guy uh, he was given that opportunity this year can be a great number two opposite of somebody like CeeDee Lamb I love watching CeeDee Lamb play football uh, as long as it's not against the Texas Longhorns because the guy scares me he's a threat to take it to the house no matter where he gets it uh, I think that he's going to come in and he's really going to show out he might not run the blazing 40 he might not uh, have exceptional combine numbers but when you watch the tape, it's there. Uh, the guy can do everything. So the New York Jets uh, get one of the best receivers in this draft at pick number 10. Number 11, the Denver Broncos. This is where I thought you would go at 10. Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle from Iowa. Uh, Drew Locke has shown uh, some sparks, you know, two, two wins for them. Uh, has looked good at times. Uh, the snow game against Kansas City obviously didn't look great. But I think you have to think about how are we going to protect Drew Locke? How are we going to build this offense up? They have a great young receiver and Cortland Sutton, who's going to be a, a pro bowler and an all pro type player for a long time. 
Now you got to protect that quarterback. Worfs, he can play right tackle. We've seen him do it at Iowa. I think like a Jedrick Wills, he has the tools to switch over to the left side. So my pick here is all about protecting Drew Locke with Tristan Worfs. Yeah, and I'm up number 12 overall where the Browns definitely need offensive line help. We just took three offensive tackles in the last four picks, though. So I'm not going to reach. I think maybe the Browns are a team that needs to look at, if the board starts to fall this way, trying to move up or or trying to get that offensive lineman because they need it on the outside. But I'm going to go best player available for them. We've let Derek Brown slip to number 12 overall. This is a guy who's going to be disruptive from day one, start one in the NFL. I love his game. He can play in any scheme. In Cleveland, you need to stop the run if you're playing get. Teams like the Ravens, the Steelers, you have to do it. Nobody does it like Derrick Brown. Yeah, Derrick Brown is, uh, we've talked about it before, easily a top 10 player in this draft. It will be interesting to see if he falls on draft day. Number 13, the Atlanta Falcons. I would have stopped Derrick Brown's fall here. Uh, instead, I'm going to stop AJ Epinesa's. I think you look at the Falcons. We don't know if Dan Quinn's going to be back or not, but he's the type of coach that would appreciate someone like AJ Epinesa. 6'6, 280, can play defensive end can kick inside on rush or excuse me, passing downs plays a three technique. I think he gives you a lot of versatility up front. We've seen the production the last two years. He can turn it on. He can get into the backfield. He can stop the run and the tools that he brings to the table to me are a perfect fit for Atlanta. Ian Grady Jarrett can, can, cause problems for people for a long, long time up front there. And like you said, with other teams run on offensive line and we've got the two best receivers have come off the board. The Falcons aren't going to reach for a corner here, in my opinion. So get an edge rusher who can make an impact day one. Number 14 overall, the Las Vegas Raiders is what we'll be calling them next year. They really need receiver help. They tried the Antonio Brown experiment and it didn't work. You look at the drafts last year and what Mayock did with Gruden. They want guys that are winners that are going to come in and change the culture. Well, they need a receiver. Henry Ruggs has been on a pretty damn good college football team there at Alabama. His speed is going to get him drafted fairly high. I have him right here, number 14. I think that you can put him on the field. You can use him like the Chiefs do, Tyreek Hill. Uh, The guy can take the top off of any defense uh, whether it's in the NFL right now or college football one of the fastest guys we've ever seen that's going to play in the NFL he goes 14 overall to the Raiders now number 15 because of the loss on Sunday afternoon the Dallas Cowboys fall from 21 overall to 15 out of the playoffs right now this could obviously change next weekend but the Cowboys right here can I give them a different head coach I mean, come on. I mean, that's going to happen Can I give them Amari Cooper on the field at the end of a game? You know, when your season's on the line, just smart play from this team would would have them in the playoffs. Instead, we will give them a player. I still like Grant Delpit here. I think they need a safety. We're going to see some turnover in that secondary because Byron Jones is a free agent. I think Grant Delpit, whether he's playing in the box, whether he's blitzing off the edge, we were just at a game where we watched Tyron Matthew wreck an offense with his versatility. I think Grant Delbert can be used in that way. The Dallas Cowboys, whoever your defensive coordinator is that next year, listen to this podcast. We will help you out. Put Grant Delbert in that secondary, and you have someone who can make plays in a division that should be wide open for them. Yeah, I mean, this could be the pick. We've compared this guy to Derwin James uh, for a while now. I think that he can come in and make a huge difference on this defense for the Cowboys. Uh, much like my next pick here to the Indianapolis Colts, I'm not going quarterback. I know a lot of people on Twitter want the Colts to do that. I just don't think that they will. I don't think they'll roll the dice like that. I think they'll go with a more conservative pick here. 
which is C.J. Henderson, a guy who I love at corner. He's my cornerback, too, just behind Jeff Okuda. I think that his ball skills are exceptional. Uh, I don't care if he even tries to tackle, even though that's a myth. Uh, Florida D-backs scare people. I don't think the Colts care about that. I think they're trying to build something here. Good speed, good length, good ball skills. C.J. Henderson goes 16 overall to the Colts. All right, Mel, let's take a break. we come back, we're going to look at the playoff teams, 17-32. to Number 17 overall, Mello, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not giving them a quarterback. It does sound like Jameis Winston will be back. Watching this team play, they missed on Vernon Hargraves, who they had to see on the other side of the field as now a member of the Houston Texans. They need a corner. Paulson Adebo, to me, is a very safe but exciting pick. Led college football last year in passes defense, six foot one. I, I still don't know that he runs exceptionally well, but I think his technique and his size have him being a difference maker. The Bucks need one of those defensively. If they can bring back guys like Shaq Barrett, I love what they have in Devin White. It's a team that does have some pieces. I mean, look what they have offensively with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. If they could ever get the ball to a tight end, they have two very good ones. They need help on defense, though. And I'm up again with the Raiders pick. We just gave them Henry Ruggs uh, at 14 overall. Now we're here at 18. I'm going to go with that tradition again here of getting winning programs, these kind of alpha male type guys. I'm going Christian Fulton out of LSU. The Raiders need help at corner as well. And this is another situation where the guy has been a winner. I mean, he could end his college career with a national championship here. Good leader in the locker room. I've heard a lot of great things about him uh, as a character guy. So I'm going Christian Fulton here to the Raiders. Yeah, love that pick. It fits. He and uh, Trayvon Mullen would make that one of my favorite secondaries in the NFL playing side by side number 19 the Miami Dolphins we gave them Tua earlier I'm going to give our guy somebody to throw to we've seen the the turnaround of Devontae Parker who got a new deal definitely deserved that awesome to see it happen but they need more help at the receiver position and I will say I didn't love any of the offensive tackles here I thought it would have been a pretty big reach I know that's a big need for them with Laramie Tunsil gone there's not a left tackle I would draft here. Maybe we revisit that at 25 overall. But here I'm going to give them T. Higgins. T. Higgins is a number 11 player overall on my board. I think he's one of the best receivers in this class. If it was not a Jerry Judy stacked class, we might be talking about T. Higgins as wide receiver one. He's that good. He can attack the ball down the field. He's a big target in a class that has a lot of small guys. He is a big target. I've comped him to A.J. Green. I think T. Higgins is exactly what Miami needs opposite Parker. You have him receiver two or receiver three right now four because of rugs and lamb okay yeah that's where i have him too but like you said earlier this receiver class is loaded i mean with a ton of first round guys i don't know what the record is for receivers taken in the first round but i think this class can break that record number 20 the jacksonville jaguars up again i'm going with defensive line here i know that they they have a lot of needs This is a team, this is an organization that likes to build on the defense. They're getting kind of old. I'm going Javon Kinlaw here. Another guy much like Derek Brown, an interior pass rush, stop the run. And then I think after these first two picks of Isaiah Simmons and Javon Kinlaw, build on the offense. Go find some more receivers. Find some offensive linemen deep. Uh, Maybe... They might be in the market for a running back. Uh, I almost went DeAndre Swift here, but I'm going to go with the defense. I think that's a situation where they still say, we have to stop these other teams in the AFC South with the big offenses. They get Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, number 21, the Philadelphia Eagles. They need a receiver. There's no secret here. LaVisca Shaynault is the best receiver left on my board and is a playmaker, which is what they need. They need speed. He is electric after the catch. We've joked around about where do you play this guy? 
I think he fits so well in what the NFL is doing now. You know, we like I said, we were at a game where we saw Tyreek Hill and Cordero Patterson play running back at times. Just use LaVisca Chanel in this way. You can use him as a receiver in the slot outside. You can put him in the backfield. You can put him in the return game. He is just someone you want to get touches to. And right now, I mean, outside of like Greg Ward, the Eagles don't have that guy in the passing game with Alshon being hurt. It just hasn't happened with Nelson Aguilar. I don't think Greg Ward is the answer there. Exactly. So give them someone who you have to worry about as a defensive coordinator. LaVisca Chenault fits that model. Yeah, I I love him coming out of Colorado. Uh, I think that he can be very versatile, like a rich man's uh, Cordell Patterson, playing special teams, playing some running back too, probably if you want him to. Uh, Speaking of running backs, number 22 overall, the Tennessee Titans, they have a great running back in Derrick Henry. But I haven't heard anything about a contract extension there going on. Uh, So I'm going to look at the board and say, who's the best player available? It happens to be DeAndre Swift. Uh, And this might not be a fit for the Titans. But last year, I don't think that we expected uh, them to go with defensive line in the first round, especially a guy in, in Simmons who pretty much redshirted this entire year. But I think much like the Oakland Raiders, they're going to go with these ass kicker guys who are going to come in and change a culture. Uh, They cannot afford to lose running back on this team. So I think they're actually going to upgrade and bring in one of the most versatile running backs that we've seen uh, in a while with DeAndre Swift. He catches the ball so well out of the backfield, but he can also run with great power. Not a lot of other guys in this class can do that. You talk about Jonathan Taylor. Yep, he can run with great power. I still kind of question the hands there. I don't know if they're there. Uh, Travis Etienne. I really question the hands. J.K. Dobbins has put together two years that are really good at Ohio State. I don't think any of them are on the level of DeAndre Swift. So if the Titans are going to let Derrick Henry walk, they're going to replace him with the best running back in this class. My only Swift question is, how's that shoulder going to be long term? Yeah, I mean, but for a running back, at least it's not lower body. If this were a linebacker who's shedding blocks or, you know, an offensive lineman with the shoulder, uh, I think if I can say my running back has to have one injury, it's probably going to be a shoulder. Number 23, the Buffalo Bills. The run on receiver affects this team more than anyone else because it is such a big, obvious need. I'm going to pass on it because I don't like the size of Devonta Smith in this offense. I don't think he fits what they want to do from a physical standpoint. But I am going to go to Alabama. If you can't get a receiver, let's continue to build this front seven on defense, which is playing exceptionally well. Tremaine Edmonds, one of the best young linebackers in football. What this team lacks, in my opinion, is that just like you've been saying, Mello, an ass kicker is a pass rusher. Give me a guy, and Shaq Lawson has played okay, but give me a guy that I have to freaking worry about. Like you watch a, a Khalil Mack, Von Miller, you know, Daniel Hunter. Give me a guy I have to worry about. Frank Clark. I think that Terrell Lewis. If proven healthy, and he should be, can be that type of guy. Six foot five, 260 pounds, can stand up, can put his hand in the dirt. Scheme versatile. You talk to people at Alabama, they believe that he should be a top 15 pick. Terrell Lewis has the goods to be very special in the NFL. Yeah, so long. with I mean, incredibly long arms, good reach, good bend there. The Minnesota Vikings are up at pick number 24. I would love to go corner here and really solidify that secondary, but I'm not loving any of the corners that are left right now. So I'm going to go safety. Xavier McKinney, I think, is a do-it-all safety who can come in and maybe even play some nickel corner if you wanted him to. Uh, But I think that he can be that free safety type that drops back into coverage. Uh, And he's also tough enough to come up and play against the run. 
I really like him. He's not getting a lot of first-round buzz, but I think he definitely should be. I think the gap between him and Grant Delpit this year right now is not very much. Coming into the season, I thought, man, there's a huge gap at safety. There's Grant Delpit, and then there's everyone else. Well, Xavier McKinney has put his name in that hat, too. I think he's a very good safety, uh, can come in and play immediately for any team. Number 25, the Miami Dolphins, back on the clock. We have given this team Tua. We've given them T. Higgins. I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball. An offensive tackle in Austin Jackson from USC, who is not exceptionally pro-ready, but as an athlete, you look at him and say, this dude plays left tackle for the Trojans, and he's one of the few guys in this class that I think projects their well long-term. He does need to get a little bit stronger. I think he can play day one because of his agility, because of his length. Uh, I'm excited to see if he does declare for the draft where teams have him because I have an early two, late one on him. So 25, a little bit of a reach here, but fills a gigantic need. Yep, and speaking of needs, I'm up. You're letting me pick for my Kansas City Chiefs here at number 26, uh, which is bullshit because, Matt, they're going to be picking at 32. I'm going linebacker because, again, I don't love the corners that are there right now. When I'm looking at my big board and who's available, I could go with a guy like Trayvon Diggs or Jalen Johnson, A.J. Terrell. Jeff Gladney is a corner that can probably work his way into the first round. Uh, Sean Wade. I'm going to go with a linebacker here in Kenneth Murray because Kenneth Murray is very athletic. And if it weren't for Isaiah Simmons, I think that we'd be talking about him a little bit higher in this draft class. I think that this is a linebacker, and I'll say it right now, who's going to rise up the draft board just like Devin Bush did last year. There are a lot of people putting him at the end of the first round and saying, man, look at how good of a linebacker he is. I think that he will not be available at pick 26 when it rolls around in April. So many tackles, so athletic. I think he can drop back into coverage as well. This is going to be a very good linebacker. And if he is here at 26 for the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm ecstatic with this pick. I absolutely love it. I think he's going to come in, be an alpha dog on this defense from day one. Yeah, I really like Kenneth Murray. And I I wanted to say that about the guy. I'm going to give the, the Green Bay Packers number 27, Dylan Moses, here. These two linebackers, I absolutely love. They're both in my top 15. They just fall because of positional value a little bit. Dylan Moses has been hurt this year. Obviously, the ACL um, season-ending knee injury that happened in, in August. Dylan Moses and Kenneth Murray, they could be like Devin White and Devin Bush, where mm-hmm. by the time the draft comes around, it's like, you know what? I don't love this class overall, but I love these two players, and I know exactly who they're going to be. They're going to be three-down linebackers. They can attack tight ends. They can blitz. They can stack the run. So with Dylan Moses, this is exactly what the Green Bay Packers need in the middle of that defense. They need a playmaker. They need speed, somebody who can stop the run. That's Moses. So these two teams, I mean, great picks for Kansas City and Green Bay. And, I, man, we could gush about these two all day because – I think the effort that Kenneth Murray plays with, the athleticism, and it's unfortunate we didn't get to see Dylan Moses this year. They're both, last year, they were two of the best players in college football. Yeah, I mean, very high on the boards uh, to start the year, and it does suck that Moses got hurt, but to have him still go in the first round, I think says a lot about the player that we saw those first two years at Alabama. I'm sure that he's going to be healthy enough for the combine. I think that he's going to test very well. If he can run well, he's He's going to stay in the first round. Number 28, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they've been kind of getting their ass kicked a little bit here lately. Losing to the Cardinals, not ideal. They're banged up with injury after injury. 
I'm going to look at the board, and I'm going to take an edge rusher here. I think they like those athletic, maybe a little bit undersized edge rushers. They're trying to do it with Clowney. I think they're going to go ahead and get somebody opposite of him. I'm going with Gross Matos here. I like his ability to bend the edge uh, and play in the run, too. I think that he fits in this scheme with the Seattle Seahawks very well and can come in and kind of learn the position next to some great defensive linemen. I, I know that they could go other places here. They don't usually draft offensive line very high. I think they could go there, but history tells me that they won't. They could go safety I, after Xavier McKinney. I don't like a lot of the safeties, and I do like the way that my guy uh, Quandre Diggs is playing. So I'm going to go edge rusher because I feel like teams always need an edge rusher. No matter what you have, you can't have enough of those guys. So Gross Matos is a pick at 28 overall. O'Clanny is also a free agent, so that yep. that is a need for them too. 29, the New Orleans Saints. A tough team to draft for. They really are. I expect Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater to be back, so I'm not going to go quarterback here. Love the offensive line they have. Not going to reach for alignment. What they really need is a number two receiver, and we joked about this on uh, a show last week about how they'll draft one and then they'll just keep throwing the ball to Michael Thomas, who set the NFL single season receiving record, 144 catches, but they need another receiver here. I like Devonta Smith from Alabama in this setup where he's not going to be asked to be a number one receiver. He can do what he does at Bama, play in the slot, play some outside, but also help as a return man. The Saints, we've seen it with Taysom Hill. We've seen it with Mike Thomas. Sean Payton knows how to get the best out of his playmakers offensively. I like Smith here in this wide receiver core where, again, it goes to Buffalo. He would be expected to be a number one receiver. Good New Orleans, you're kind of like the third target in this offense, and we can just see you be a playmaker. Yeah, that fit right there would be absolutely scary. Uh, if he comes out and if they go receiver there would be uh, something to look for. Number 30, the New England Patriots. If you've watched them play in the last three weeks, you know they need another target. Uh, And it doesn't look like it's Nikhil Harry right now, which is a very sad statement for me to make. I think that he can develop, but in this offense, you need a traditional tight end. Uh, Teams are taking away Edelman, and they know that after Edelman, Brady's just going to check the ball down. I think this is a hard offense for receivers to learn which is why they're going tight end. You have to replace Gronk somehow. Bryson Hopkins is the number one tight end in this class. I think that he's athletic enough to come play in line like he did at Purdue, but also work up the field uh, and stretch the middle of the field so you can get Edelman and these other receivers underneath. Uh, it's it's a huge need. I thought they would address it last year. Uh, I think this is maybe a team that didn't actually think Gronk was going to retire and stay retired. But he did, so they have to bring in a tight end to try to replace him. Yeah, have to. And I'm a, a big Bryson Hopkins guy. I can't wait to see him in person at the Senior Bowl. I think he's going to impress a lot of folks. Number 31, my San Francisco 49ers, the number one seed in the NFC, thanks to this morning. And uh, another team that's a little bit tough to draft for. I uh, thought about going corner here like Trevon Diggs with Richard Sherman getting older. Akella Weatherspoon actually got abused on Saturday but not going to reach for a corner. I think the injury to Weston Rickberg and what we've seen from the interior offensive line play has been good, but not great. And I know a lot of Niners fans are going to say, but in Kyle's scheme, we don't need great interior line play. But just think if you had it. How great right? it would be, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't need it. But it would be nice to have. And the way the board falls here, Tyler Biedash from Wisconsin, the best center in this draft, bar none, an amazing run blocker. He's on the board here. It is a great value. With the Niners, a team that has almost no draft picks, something you and I were talking about last night, Melo. 
You have to get impacts from these draft picks, something that John Lynch has been a little bit inconsistent on. But last year, obviously, hit with Nick Bosa. You got George Kittle in the fifth round. I think getting Biddish, while not you know an all-pro caliber player in his first couple of years like those two were, is going to solidify this offensive line as it starts to get a little bit older with Joe Staley. Now we've seen Mike McGlinchey be banged up this year. I want someone at center that I don't have to worry about for the next five years. Yeah, I, I love him at center. I think that he would actually be in play uh, for my team at 26, the Chiefs, just because he plays so well and he moves so well for a center. That's going to be a good pick if you're 49ers getting number 32 overall. The Baltimore Ravens have really hit on a lot of their draft picks. I'm not just talking about Lamar Jackson here. I, I think that Hollywood Brown at receiver has been great. Their tight ends are great. Offensive line is solid. I mean, even Orlando Brown looks like a really good right tackle despite terrible combine testing. So I'm going to look at the defense, and I'm going to go edge rusher here with Clavion Chase on an LSU pick. Ozzie Newsom is gone. Now you can come in and you can actually look at these LSU guys because they're pretty damn good at football. Uh, they're going to get an edge rusher here at number 32 overall that can play that outside linebacker spot for them and get after the quarterback. Uh, this guy will be in Baker Mayfield's grill for the next 12 years in the NFL. Miller's favorite player automatically if he hits Baker Mayfield. That is our mock draft. Let's take a break. We come back. We'll close this thing out with some draft on draft questions. It is draft on draft time following a little mock draft. Monday, let's start it off with Patrick Chamberlain. Winter weather has me wondering what is the most memorable cold weather or snow sporting event you've ever witnessed ever witnessed in person would it be the chiefs raiders thursday night game yeah uh, if you're from the missouri area or if you're a fan of one of those teams i think everybody was talking you still run into people at the bar who are still talking about how cold that Eight game degrees was. at kickoff i mean just stupid cold i the coldest game that i've ever been at uh even up there with you know columbus ohio we've talked about that one in the rain a lot last year but that's one that you you look at cold weather there wasn't a lot of snow but the cold weather was just absolutely ridiculous that day yeah that was the game where you could uh, you could take in a piece of cardboard to stand on because the cold was radiating from the concrete so much. I think last year, Chiefs-Ravens, I was colder at that game. And I don't remember the temperature, um, but it was really, really don't cold. Remember a whole I don't lot remember from a game. lot from that game. Definitely not the temperature. Um, that one was pretty cold. I think it was the Raiders-Patriots game, the Tuck Rule game, when the Patriots won and they yeah. were all doing snow angels in the end zone. That, I thought that was pretty cool. I was still pretty young when that happened, so that was a good snow game for me. I think that, for me, is the most memorable snow game I've ever watched on TV. Yeah, I, I think so, too. But having been to some cold games uh, the last two years, whew, it is a different... There's a, the Army-Navy game when it was snowing like crazy just out. a couple years ago. Yeah. You could barely even see the Army players because they were in all white. That was a good one. And the score was like seven to three or something. I don't remember. It was stupid low. All right. Garrett Grinley wants to know, does Isaiah Simmons compare to Cam Chancellor? Isaiah Simmons is your guy, Mello. Um, not that you know, we all like him, but but you're particularly high on him and we're very, very early. I don't love this comparison, but I don't love any comparison for him. That's kind of where I'm at, too. I think the Cam Chancellor one is kind of a lazy comp. Uh, but I don't know who else you're going to compare this guy to because he's six foot four to 30, a uh, little bit bigger than Cam Chancellor even. But I think he's more athletic. I know I'd that he's going to Tremaine Edmonds. That he's going to be a linebacker, but I think even he runs better than that. He's going to run better than most safeties. He's more athletic than that, but he's also 
better against the run than most linebackers. So I don't know that there's a true comp for what we're seeing from Isaiah Simmons. Uh, even last year, looking at guys like Devin White, I think he's more athletic than those guys. And he's better in coverage. He legitimately plays slot corner. Right. I haven't seen anybody his size do that before. And I mean, he can rush the quarterback. So if you know Bleacher Report's going to say, "Hey, you have to have a comp for this guy," I guess you could make Cam Chancellor the comp. But I really don't think we've seen an athlete like him on defense that can do everything like he can. Right. And even my guy, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, he's going to run a lot better than uh, Isaiah is going to run better than mm-hmm. Edmonds. And did. he's nowhere near as good in coverage right. as Isaiah Simmons. So even that one, you, you can make a size comp, right. but it doesn't fit athletically. Uh, Cam Chancellor doesn't fit athletically. I mean, a taller Sean Taylor might be a good comp, but I mean... You pretty much get killed yeah. if you make a comp to right. Sean Taylor. That. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's an enigma, and I f- actually feel like this draft has a couple guys like that. I don't think there's a good comp for Joe Burrow. I don't think there's a good comp for Isaiah Simmons. Um, they're the two guys where it's like I have a really hard time trying to find a comparison for them. They just no one mm-hmm. really fits it very well. Yeah, I, I would agree with both of those. All right, third question from Justice Straub. Watching Jonathan Taylor's running style reminds me of a bulkier Arian Foster with his patience, cuts, and vision. Is there a particular running back from the last 10 to 15 years you see a lot of in his game? The last 10 to 15 That's years? That's a long time. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not crazy about the Arian Foster comp because Arian Foster was so good out of the backfield. There were just like never questions about Taylor's him also a lot catching faster. the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Running style-wise, maybe some Le'Veon Bell. But then again, you look at Le'Veon Bell, probably the best running back receiver in the league still. So running style-wise, I don't know. It's hard to say because he is so patient. But at the same time, he'll get to that next level very quick. Yeah, I remember evaluating Arian Foster in college even. And one of my knocks on him was that he stopped his feet so much behind the line of scrimmage and was like, that will never work in the NFL. Well, he gets to the NFL and it does. Another guy who is notable for that is Melvin Gordon. Now, I don't like to make school-to-school comparisons, Mm -hmm. Melvin Gordon and Jonathan Taylor, but there is a little bit of that style to his game, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit bigger than Melvin Gordon, but he's probably faster, too. Yeah, absolutely. So it is it's tough. Uh, I don't have a comp listed for Jonathan Taylor yet. It's kind of that time of year where we're trying to finalize some of those comparisons. And I've said before, I really like to let them happen organically. I don't like to sit down and be like, okay— I have to come up with a comp for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I don't either. I Usually it comes to me when I'm not thinking about it, and I'll be watching some tape or something like that, and I'll see him run and be like, hey, that looked like. Right now I have him comp to Zeke Elliott. Oh. Um, I kind of like that one. I think that both guys were unproven as catching the ball out of the backfield in college, but once Zeke got to the NFL, I was like, you know what, this guy can catch the ball. He was just never asked to in the Big Ten. And then they're both um, relatively the same size. I, I think Jonathan Taylor's probably going to run a little bit faster, but I'll, I'll stick with the comp that I have right there. There you go. Last question from Gianluca Martini. In recent years of the Senior Bowl, which players have helped or hurt themselves the most? Who and when? I I will go to my grave saying that the Senior Bowl helped Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's the one where the Browns may, maybe the Browns would have taken him first overall either way, but it really feels like that week of watching him, evaluating him helped his stock so much. And it, I mean, it helped his stock with me to watch him 
on the field with, you know, a group of an all-star team to watch how he interacted with everyone, his leadership, his charisma, um, the, you know, his mom was sick in the hospital. He still comes to mobile and participates. I, I think that really improved Baker's stock. Um, I can't think of a player who hurt their stock. I honestly can't. And that's not, I'm not trying to be a shill for the senior bowl. Outside of guys getting hurt, it's really, really difficult to hurt your stock at the senior bowl. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I mean, you look at Baker Mayfield, he went first overall. I don't know if he goes first overall without that week at the senior bowl. You get alphas around other alphas and you find out who the true alpha is. And as much as I hate Baker Mayfield, people gravitate towards him. He is the leader. He's the guy. Even when you put him around other players at the senior bowl, you put him in the Browns locker room. He's still able to have a voice and be a leader. Despite, you know, guys like Odo Beckham being there, Jarvis Landry, he can still shine. And I think we saw it at the senior bowl. Uh, Derek Carr was another guy that when you were at the senior bowl, I wasn't there that year, uh, but there was staying after at practices and it's throwing, I think he really helped his stock at the Senior Bowl. Uh, a lot of these receivers can. Uh, you look at Terry McLaurin last year. Yeah, uh, He was, I wouldn't say an unknown in January, but he came to the Senior Bowl and he was lighting it up. There were other guys that were supposed to be there, like Penny Hart. Everybody was talking about Penny Hart and how he's going to be this great slot receiver and Hunter Renfro. And then Terry McLaurin gets there and like, who is, who's this guy from Ohio State? Cause his route running is exceptional. And now you look at him this year, he's one of the best receivers, rookie receivers in the league. So I really think that he helps himself out too. I think there's some guys uh, over the, you know, my 10 years of doing this who were overhyped. You know, I can remember Rashid Hageman, um, Sean Oakman, guys who you would get down there and you're like, okay, you're just not athletic and you're going to fall in the draft because of that. You know, so I guess I don't know, but the senior bowl didn't hurt their stock. It was just being put on that stage where you can evaluate their traits exposed a weakness in their game. And that is my favorite thing about the senior bowl is you, you separate a lot of times myth from reality with traits. And, you know, I remember watching Brian O'Neill, the offensive tackle from Pitt and all season I'd been hearing like, this guy's a great athlete, a great athlete. And it was like, okay, he is, but he's really strength deficient. And, you know, right now, Brian O'Neill is one of the best right tackles in the NFL. He's having a great career, but you were able to see like, okay, he is a good athlete, but there are these other issues that might make his development a little bit slower or his acclimation a little bit slower. So that's what's great about the senior bowl. Uh, not only, you know, the, the fact that it's basically like a reunion for anybody who works in the NFL, but being able to sit in the stands and truly break guys down like that is is my favorite part of it. All right, that is our show. We will be back Wednesday morning. Uh, have two great interviews for you guys. Darren Waller, the Oakland Raiders, and former Arizona State running back Eno Benjamin, uh, plus your draft on draft questions. It's going to be a good one. Again, for Mello and Connor, Merry Christmas to you guys. If this is the only show you hear this week, uh, definitely appreciate everyone hanging out with us, spending time with Stick to Football. Thanks for making it a great year, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Mm-hmm.